I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and our intern Luke Monger, a.k.a. Lettuce Guy, with the yep. way he's eating his sandwich and having it just spill all over the place. We are at Husky Stadium where Washington defeated Colorado 27-13 to 13 in front of announced attendant. 68,798, 50 degrees at kickoff. Kind of a cool day. I mean, it is de- the weather's definitely changed uh, here in Seattle. It was pretty cool down there. The air was damp, but uh, you know, loud crowd again today. Sixty-eight thousand was the announced attendance. I would guess there's probably five to eight thousand no-shows on that, but uh, still, beautiful day. You couldn't ask for a better day for Husky football in Husky Stadium. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it is this is a what do they call it? A Chamber of Commerce day up here. I mean, nope. mid late October, we're October twentieth, mm-hmm. and uh, fifty degrees, sunny out. You can see all the pretty colors, you know, and trees and everything like that. I don't think you could beat a day like today. I was honestly a little disappointed. Homecoming night, uh, a very good Colorado team coming in here. Granted, they had the loss last week. Um, Colorado and Washington both lost last week. But um, just kind of disappointed because we've been bitching and moaning about the fact that there's not 12.30 starts. Now that there is one, people show up late. I mean, there was easily twenty to 30,000 open seats when the kickoff happened, mm-hmm. and then it filled in eventually, but it's still, it's just, it, I don't I don't know if you can change it. I really don't. It, it's just, it, this is the way Washington crowds have been since I've been covering it. Colorado without their uh, biggest playmaker in... Um, LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. pronounce his name. They also were uh, missing McIntyre, their receiver, and they were also uh, missing one of their most dependable defensive backs. So uh, Colorado was a little shorthanded. When I asked Coach Pete about, you know, when he found out about Colorado's injuries, he didn't say much except that they were missing one of the best players in the country themselves mm-hmm. in Miles Gaskin. And I don't know if you knew, noticed this, but he was out in the field in full pads looking like he was ready to go. Mm-hmm. And when the team came, out you know he wasn't dressed just sweats and a hoodie yeah Yeah. i didn't notice him uh working out i i actually should have looked and i didn't um i was looking for other things and talking to some different people so um but uh doesn't surprise me that he didn't play this week he did not look right last week i thought it was a good idea to not play him this week and uh give him a rest so he can be healthy for those last four games yeah, you know, um, Savin Ahmed, who we thought was a little bit more dinged up than evidently he was, um, had nine carries for 73 yards. He looked 100%. I don't know what you saw, if you noticed anything. I still think he looks a bit tentative when he's going into the line sometimes. But maybe tentative might not be the right word. Maybe it's a little indecisive. I don't think he knows what he wants to do when he gets up there. Um, I think he would like to break everything outside and get into space and Right now, he's just not able to do it. Sometimes you just got to hit it up in there. When he did, he did pretty well. Do you think he's indecisive? Because I've seen him all season long when it comes to contact. He's flinching. Uh, yeah, that's indecisive. He's not putting his shoulder down and going. I don't think he's flinching. I think he's just he wants to bounce it outside, and he's not lowering his shoulder to get an extra two or three yards. He's trying to bounce it outside, and then he's getting tackled three or four yards shorter. Well, I don't know about the flinching. I will say that I thought there were a couple times where he showed – Gaskin like patience in trying to let some blocks develop, and he was able to get a couple nice runs, uh, especially down the left side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know he had the one um, kind of in the third quarter that really kind of busted things up and got him a touchdown eventually at the end of that. So I mean there were some there were some good things that I thought he did, and 
uh, flinching at contact or, or what have you, I, I, I don't. It's hard to see from the press box. The touchdown run um, that he had uh, in the f- the first well, not first quarter, the second quarter uh, in the West End Zone, where he kind of hesitated just a second and then exploded. You can see how quick that guy is, how fast he can get up to full speed because he really outran those guys when he didn't. They had the angle on him. Well, he he sometimes trips himself up. Yeah. Because his 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 feet are working sometimes faster than his brain is, mm-hmm. and I think I, I see Kamari Pleasant sometimes. He, he he doesn't have his feet necessarily under him all the time, and that's a function of the fact that he's he's already seen what he wants to do, but his feet can't move fast enough. And then sometimes his feet are moving too fast, and so it's just finding that right balance. But I thought overall, I thought Savon had a great game. Uh, he had a great game, but he also had a personal foul penalty on the end of that touchdown. I didn't see what happened. Some people on the sideline were saying he did throw, the throw flash. flash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He knows better than that. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. Well, and he'll, he'll pay that's, the price. That's it's why be... he only got nine carries in yeah. the game. Well, and that's also why he's 500 push-ups or sit-ups or whatever he's going to do, and Pete said he might even end up doing more. But, mm-hmm. but he also said that it's, they haven't had to see that in mm-hmm. such a long time because it's so out of character. Yeah, I mean, there, there was definitely some weird sort of emotional energy, it felt like, for the entirety of the game. Because then you can talk about what happened with Miles Bryant later in the game. Uh, yeah, that was really There, there always felt, and, and then there are a couple of instances that I'm blanking on, but it, it just felt like there was always some level of chippiness uh, that was present, and it, it was definitely unexpected. Well, just some general, just, Kim, just some things like, you know, Alex Cook going over the wall on the on the on the punt. Yeah. It's like you just things that you hadn't seen all year mm-hmm. that maybe just a lack of detail, a lack of focus, and just doing some boneheaded stuff that this team just hasn't done, whether it's a lack of discipline, a lack of poise, whatever. There were certainly some moments where it was kinda like that's very un Washington like mm-hmm. in terms of what this team normally is about. Well, we talk about the Miles Bryant, he he made a great play deflecting a mm-hmm. pass. And then when he got up and he ran back all the way That's over to the line about, yeah. to the line of scrimmage and was yelling at uh, Stephen Montez. Mm-hmm, right. And then I don't know if it was before or after that Stephen Montez got up after getting hit and pushed a lineman, which I was really shocked. Great game. Yeah. yeah, I was really surprised a flag wasn't thrown on him uh, during that. And then another play, uh, you know, Jake Browning. Um, out of bounds got hit. So mm-hmm. there was some stuff that they let go, some stuff that they called, but uh, I think this is probably more trash talking and testosterone yeah. on the field than any game I've seen well, so far. Are you year. talking about Browning getting quote unquote hit when he made the tackle on the interception? Is that what you're talking about? Because uh, that's what a lot of people threw a fit about. But yeah. basically, the, the Colorado guy just ran over and yeah, got him off the other. Yeah, off right. the, off I mean, that's, you see that a hundred times. I'm not going to yeah. complain about that. But just in general, yeah. there was some weird, just, just some weirdness. Like, you know, Chico McClatcher, you just don't see him putting the ball on the, dirt, on the ground like that, and then all of a sudden it ends up being a touchback. Mm-hmm. Um, As there Washington's just some, driving for a yeah, game-clinching score. It, it, just a lot of unforced errors and a lot of things that I think carried over a little bit from Oregon because we saw a couple of those mm-hmm. things happen at Oregon, and they just, for some reason, haven't cleaned them up. The the 15-yard offensive pass interference when they're driving again takes them out of field position for a touchdown, mm-hmm. something that we saw against Auburn. I, I know it wasn't the exact same play, but it was that rub concept that they just they can't 
either they can't get it right in teaching. They don't have the details the, down, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. there's just some things that are very mm-hmm. uncharacteristic yeah. of this team today. And, I, and even Peterson said it today uh, after the game. It was just kind of a very sure. stop-start, very choppy, very... Um, you know, a thing where you expect certain things to happen and they didn't happen. Like, he expect Colorado to be a lot more up-tempo, which has been kind of their M.O. all year on offense, and they weren't that at all. They were trying to grind it out and get into the fourth quarter uh, within a score and, and trying to really keep this thing manageable. Well, how much of that had to do with them being without their two top wide receivers because they're a pass first team and they were gashing it up the middle on Washington and I don't think that's anything what they were expecting but you know you're missing arguably the best player in the conference and the next best wide receiver as well. Right so in my opinion I'm not sure they're a run first or a pass first I think they're a LaVisca Chenault first offense Mm -hmm. because they they try to put him in so many different positions Mm -hmm. to get that ball and to make an impact that mm-hmm. you know when you don't have that guy now all of a sudden you've lost you lost 780 yards receiving you've lost probably i don't know how how much five rushing was, touchdowns though right also. you've lost a ton of, of production in general mm-hmm. how are you going to fill that up and then jay mcintyre again i think he was like the second or third leading receiver i think katie nixon was maybe the first guy that was available today but you saw even like dimitri stanley the true freshman who washington actually recruited um last year near the end of the cycle a uh, really good player he, he came in and I think he saw more action today than he had seen in a while. And, and so you, they, it really hamstrung. There's no doubt it really hamstrung their efforts trying to do something offensively. So I think that, I think that did kind of a, a create maybe more of a grinded out style. What did you guys see on the interception that Jake Browning had? I don't know if it was a really good play by their corner. I was at the other end of the field. One thing I, like, I, think, I think Jake was a little late on it. The one that, I don't know who the receiver was, but uh, my first thought was you've got to come back to that harder than... Well, he, it was sat. thrown. It was thrown behind him. It was thrown. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It felt like he wasn't making like it, I don't know. I, a I thought effort. He, yeah, not 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 a strong effort, but it felt like he was waiting for a ball to come to him. Yeah, that was that was thrown behind him. He did have to stop. But right, and so he's he's trying to come back to it, mm-hmm. and the other the the it just has a beeline straight. Mm-hmm. And so he literally, even if even if the receiver could have gotten a hand or two on it, it surely felt like the the Colorado player had. Not only the leverage to be able to just take that ball, but then obviously do what he did and, and get inside the 10-yard line. With Savon Ackman, I mean, with uh, Miles Gaskin out, Washington still had 201 yards rushing with Savon Ahmed with 73, Sean McGrew with 58, and Kamari Pleasant with 35. Um, I thought Kamari and Sean did some nice things as well. Yeah, I, I thought they both did. Um, Kamari had that nice carry on third down um, where – he and actually, Chris said he he actually missed the cut because if he had broken it outside, he might have been able to go all the way. But that being, dude, that hole that opened up for him, it was obviously a busted uh, defense because yeah. <laughs> that thing. I could you, have probably gotten five yards you, on that thing. You, oh my gosh, I have never seen such. I mean, he literally. It feels like he could have walked in, and I I don't mean that hyper hyperbolically. Right. I mean that is. <laughs> he could have walked in. There wasn't guys within 20 yards yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. You know, Washington had 65 plays. Yeah. How many would you guess? What, was, what do you think I, the ratio was? Run to pass. Oh, I think it was almost exactly half and half. It was... Yeah, because uh, they only had 25 passes. Yeah. So they had, yeah. 40, 40, 40 rushes. Runs. Yeah, so it was quite a bit yeah. more. Uh, you know, uh, you know, But that may have been at the end of the game as well, concentrating on keeping it on the ground. And I was yeah. going to also add, too, that I think Jake Browning had some very key runs. 
especially mm-hmm. in the second half, to to to, to sustain sustain some drives, and in the fourth quarter on that on that uh, drive to to get them ahead um, by a touch. You know, when they were able to score mm-hmm. the touchdown on the fourth fourth down play, um, he had a really nice run to kind of sustain that drive. Yeah, yeah, the one on third like and four, eight or third or, nine third or and eight. Yeah, yeah, and he he gets the twelve yards for the first down. The um, Thing is, so if you actually go by the amount of scrambles that uh, Jake had, how many carries did Jake have? He had five. Five. So those are all. None of those are called runs. So mm-hmm. they actually had thirty passes to twenty or thirty-five run calls, but they ended up being runs because Jake ran the ball. So yeah. you got to kind of figure out. But still, a very. I think most Husky fans would take a near near two to one ratio of. Runs to pass. Well, Jake only lost yardage on one play for mm-hmm. one yard, mm-hmm. so he didn't do any of this running it back to the backfield mm-hmm. and get nailed, you know, behind the line. But uh, yeah, forty carries for two hundred and one yards. Jake finished the day fifteen of twenty-five for one hundred and fifty yards and a touchdown. Leading receiver again, Aaron Fuller, mm-hmm. five carries for sixty-three yards. Just looking at the other side of the stat sheet. Uh, Trey McMillan, 25 carries for Colorado with a net of 86. Steven Montez, um, I thought he had a so-so game. I thought he flashed at times. He was 17 of 28 for 144. 17 completions for only 144 yards. What what that doesn't tell you is that he was 10 of 12 in the first half. Mm -hmm. So he was only 7 of 16 in the second half. He threw for 100 yards in the first half. He threw for 44 in the second Mm -hmm. half. He threw for a touchdown in the first half and an interception in the second half. So second half defense by Washington definitely shut him down. Uh, game statistics, some things team-wise that jump out on the stat sheet. First downs, uh, Washington 23 first downs to Colorado 15, uh, 201 yards rushing for Washington, 119 for Colorado total offense. Washington with 351 yards, Colorado with 263. Uh, Washington with a total of 65 plays, which seems to be right about what they're doing every game, 65. Colorado with 63 that third down conversion number. Both were bad. Both yeah, were bad. Colorado was only... Or both were good, depending yeah. on how you look at it. Defensively, yeah. Yeah, and Colorado was held to 3 of 13, which is well below what Washington has been giving up. But Washington was only 3 of 11 on third down conversions as well. One thing to remember is I remember Pete, K, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski saying during the week that one of the reasons Washington hasn't been great on third downs is because teams are facing a lot of third and three or less. Yep. And it, I counted it today on the 13 um, for, uh, third down attempts. Uh, they had um, third and four or longer ten times. Yeah, so that's a big that improvement. really helps. Now, they actually mm-hmm. made it on one of those. The only third down that they didn't make it on was when they ran it right up the middle and for on, on third and one, right. and they didn't get it. So that was the only one Washington held them on under three yards. And then over ten, over four yards, they only gave up one first down. Yeah. Great. I thought it was a really good fourth quarter by Washington. They're up by four, and um, it, w- it was fourth down. And uh, tell people what Colorado decided to do. Honestly, well, they, they, the they decided they sent yeah. the house. They, they, they ran a cover zero defense. Essentially what that means is there's no safeties. They're, the safeties are up on the line of scrimmage, and they're, they're bringing the house. They're bringing a, the kitchen sink. And so on that on that particular coverage, what Jake was supposed to see is he was supposed to see the slant Aaron Fuller one on one. He gets him, throws it right on stride, 
and that's a minimum first down and more than likely a touchdown. Coach Pete said Jake probably didn't even see it. Did he get planted? I didn't see. I didn't see if he got planted. What I thought was funny was Peterson saying, "I was looking at the protection. I didn't even see what happened. I didn't even see Aaron Fuller open until I saw the ball come out." And then he goes, "That's exact. That's exactly what we've coached them to see." On that play, and Aaron Fuller actually says it that in practice during the week, you you talk to him, Chris. He said in practice during the week, we know that on fourth down, fourth and you know short, they'll go to a cover zero. Yeah. Even, and even Jake Browning said and, that, and yeah, and he said that I knew when I saw the cover zero, I knew I had to bring my best release because that was going to be a touchdown. Actually, I, was if I, did. I was walking. Well, I just gotten onto the field. Um, when that play happened, walking down from the press box. And uh, so, and I was walking down literally like eye level with where Aaron Fuller was lined up and his release, he put whoever that DB was in a blender. Uh, like, and I, like I, I don't know how else to articulate it. And because I think knowing like him being aware that a cover zero blitz is coming, uh, there's a dangerous game with trying to get like a good release and, and shake someone off the line and then actually just getting into your mm-hmm. break because of how time-dependent that is. I think he did a phenomenal job of getting what the DB leaning kind of towards the outside and then bringing it back inside and got plenty of separation. It is interesting that, you know, you mentioned Coach Pete's comment, you know, is as a head coach, what is he looking at? Is You know, he used to be a quarterback, so is he looking through the eyes of the quarterback? Because I thought that's what maybe he was looking at. He's looking at the coverage to Not see the, coverage, the protection, the, the protection yeah. to see if there was enough blockers for what was coming. Mm-hmm. So um, I well, thought that was real interesting. Rem- you also have to remember too, Kim, is that he's looking at it where Fuller's on the far side, yeah, he and he's got to look. That, he's yeah. got to look through the entire mess Defense, yeah. to get through to it. So I can see what he's talking about. I will say too that the credit really does go to the protection and, and to give him just that that extra second. To, to be able to, to get that thing on time because I my personal opinion is is that with Colorado being that aggressive on third and fourth downs and just kind of having that mindset and that identity, it's just one of those things where you just have to – I mean, you know it's coming, but you still have to execute. I mean, you still have to make sure that these things are done on time. And Jake Browning, I'll be honest, he did not have a great game in terms of throwing on time and I guarantee you that de- defensive coordinator for Colorado thought, hey, if we can just make him look at something for a split second, he might hesitate. But he clearly didn't and made a phenomenal play. Uh, Scott, or uh, did, you, uh, did you listen to Caleb McGarry? I did. When I asked Caleb, you know, what did you see on that? And he says, you know, he usually doesn't get to see t- touchdowns, yep. mm-hmm. you know, because he's looking and he finds out about, about the crowd yeah, reaction that's what and he said. sees yeah. him in the end zone. So, you know, stop and think about it. As an offensive tackle, you don't get to see the game. But also, you know, he I saw him go over and line up at left tackle, and he claims he wasn't really a left tackle. He says technically he was a tight end. Yep. And, you know, was it last year or the year before where Trey got a, got a pass? It was last year. Yeah, and, and so Trey, uh, Caleb says he's been lobbying for a few years. I want to get back to the defense, right? Because you, how many yards did Washington limit them in the second half? 86 total. How much of that had to do with the presence in the second half who was missing in the first half, Jalen Johnson? Um, you know, well, Jalen did play some in the first half. No, no he didn't. No, he didn't. Because he was... Oh, that's right. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. My bad. Yep, oh, my yeah. bad. My bad. So yep. um, I think a lot of it had to do with that, partly because they had three fresh starting quality defensive linemen to rotate through 
Because Levi Onwuzurike, I thought he had a hell of a game mm. at the very beginning of the, of the game. He The problem with Levi is he's more of a... Jalen is more of a run stopper, whereas Levi is a penetrator. If you watched him, that play where oh he gosh. ran over the center and then got the, the halfback in the backfield, oh my gosh, that was a ridiculous play. But the thing about uh, penetrators is they can get pushed out of their gap. And that's why, and so yes, I think Jalen Johnson helped uh, cure some of the gashing up the middle. And then Chris actually made this point during the first half that all they're doing is running crossing routes on some of those third, third down plays. Well, you saw the two middle linebackers in their drop. They didn't go in the middle anymore. They went wider, and that's why Ben Burkirvan was right there when they threw that mm-hmm. crossing route, and Ben Burkirvan just laid out that wide receiver. Yeah, notice, notice in the first half, Burkirvan and Tevis Bartlett were chasing. Yep. They were chasing their guys. They, they basically, instead of, instead of going man, they went zone in the second half and took an area. And so when that guy came through, there was a guy waiting for him at the mm-hmm. end of that route. And we saw with Burke Irvin just laid him out. And, and another great hit in that, in that, uh, in that game was um, Ryan Bowman yeah. on the, on the um, little, I don't know what you call those passes where the quarterback little, just little touches, pass, touches it and then yeah. pushes it forward. Pop, pop yeah, whatever you want to call it. And... Um, and Bowman just couldn't be blocked on that edge and just destroyed the wide receiver coming coming in motion. Ben Burkirvan with another huge game. Uh, 15 tackles, eight of them were solo, and he had an interception. I don't know if this is true or not, but that's the only interception this year at Husky Stadium. At Husky Stadium? Yeah, that might be right. Because so. Jordan Miller has the other interception, and that was um, on, that was on the road. But it was kind of funny. Sure. He had that interception. Oh, no, no. His was here. His his inter- no, it was no, against it was Utah. Utah. It was at Utah. Utah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Are you sure? Yeah. Just checking. Yep. <laughs> but uh, he lowered his shoulder. I mean, yeah. he, I, I'm I'm going to call it BBK quake because he just pushed that guy and said, "Get off of me!" But yeah. uh, he had a, he had a great game. 15 I, tackles. He's leading the country in tackles. I called it a ho hum game for him, and I don't mean that as a put down, but. We oh, just, just we just come to you could write fifteen tackles in and be very close to right uh, when he steps on the field. I mean, he just he's always around the ball. The only thing I'll say is he when when you when you're going against a bigger back and, and Colorado had a couple bigger backs come in there. Um, he he isn't able to stop the guy in his tracks. He usually gets dragged for a yard or two. It is what it is. There's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. The guy's always around the ball, and he's always making plays. So I'll give him that. But it would, it, it, his only deficiency is just that he, he doesn't have a lot of bulk, and so he's going to get, I don't want to say run over, but he's going to get dragged a little bit. A couple of other guys, Benny Patoy, I thought had a really nice game with seven tackles, and he seems to be coming on a little bit. I'm not go- sure what's going on with Jordan Miller if he's still dinged up, but Keith Taylor played quite a bit again today at corner. Yeah. Well, he gave he gave up the the long touchdown yeah. on the on Colorado's to the first drive. Washington native, yeah, yeah to Daniel Arias, Daniel and then um, and so I don't I think that was it. I don't remember, I remember seeing right. him the rest of the day. Yeah, I think Keith Taylor came in and played pretty much the the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah Benny Patoye, I think is really coming on though. Oh yeah, he's they ran a bunch of stunts. With him up front, um, he he was getting that inside rush and and getting some pressure on Montez. But uh, 
You know, it, it's still not quick. You know who was was really kind of a, a eye opening guy was Joe Tryon. I thought he. I, I know his what is it, Shinoga or what, what's the he's got uh, his hyphenated uh, last like name. Now. Oh, Shoy- yeah, Shoy- uh, Shin- yeah, yeah, well, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, he had I thought a really good game. It's the most he's played in a game, and I thought that he he played very very well considering his his lack of playing time and, and he was in the backfield several times. Yeah. Let's also give a shout out to Thule. Yeah. To Thule yeah. Gassanoa who came in and, and we find out now that that was kind of their plan going in to replace Jalen Johnson mm-hmm. for the first half. And he only got in, I think on one series that yeah. I remember in the, in the first half, but um, you know, hopefully they keep building on that a little bit and, and maybe that is the plan for these guys. Maybe they're only going to get a series here or there per game, but you've got, three or four guys on that defensive line who they can maybe spread the wealth with a little bit. Because uh, there were some other guys, Kim. There were some other true freshman linemen that were available. Yeah, I mean, um, Z- yeah, Messiah was available. Sam Taimani, Taki, he was available. Uh, Zion um, Tupola, Fatui. Yeah, he was available. I don't know about Draco or – I he didn't was, see – He was suited up. Was I saw up? him uh, – The offensive linemen were suited up too, the freshmen, which was interesting. I didn't get a chance to look at the participation report. Were there any other the first-year guys that saw the field today? No, uh, not that I noticed. I would, I would, yeah, I would say no problem. Just Tule was the only one that I saw, right. and kind of surprising because you saw Kyler Gordon play last week. You know, with the absence of Austin Joyner, no longer on the team with the concussion, so he's medically retired. But uh, you know, we saw Kyler um, Gordon last week, so I thought we might see either Kyler this week or Julius Irvin. None of them, uh, neither one of those guys were yeah, suited. Dom, no Dominic Hampton either. So no, well Dominic I think is still hurt. Yeah, either yeah, I don't know. Um, I would say again, you know, Chris Peterson. We asked him about that after, and he talked about how ideally Kyler's on the redshirt track. That's what they want, and so that's that's where they're at with him. They're not gonna they're not gonna push it. Coming out the second half, saw Hunter Bryant. Looked at it and said. When are you going to be back? He looks at me and smiles and goes, soon, very soon. So could we see Hunter Bryant come back? I mean, the way he said it, he, I mean, and he doesn't look hurt. So I don't know if he's practicing or not. But I feel like you, you wonder at this point in the year, have you made it so far without him that you just wait until you don't burn his red shirt and only play him for? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would do that. I mean, that if I, I mean, was obviously things can change, though, because, I mean, as of the time of recording this right now, the Cougs are up 20 on Oregon. Uh, so, I mean, does any... <laughs> you guys should be see Luke's face. Uh, He's just all <laughs> yeah. lit up like but, a Christmas tree. But does that change, though? Like, Hunter, now the Huskies have, like, are again kind of in well, prime position to here, make, make a push for the post or the Rose Bowl. This or, is what I would say. Yeah, this is what I would say. You know they're going to get to a bowl game because, by the way, we haven't talked about it. Bowl, the sixth game, they are bowl. Yeah, I know, I know. I didn't yeah. want to make it too big. Las Vegas bowl. Here we go. I didn't want to put too fine a point on it, but they are bowl eligible, so we know they're going to a bowl. So the so the point being is, we know there's going to be what the final four games are going to be. Just don't know what that bowl is going to be. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Pac-12 title game is the only thing that really throws a wrench into that. Yeah. Right. So, do you wait until after the bye? Or do you, you know, because a lot of people are going to sit here going, if he's ready by Stanford, you, by God, you got to play him. So do you play him, and then do you rest him for Oregon State, for instance? Possibly. So, I mean, there, there are permutations. There's definitely some here's things other, you can work here's out. Here's the other thing you need to work out. Is, that guy athletically, I know there were a lot of people who thought he'd only be here three years anyway. So... 
Do you, yeah, but does he think does he's only going to be here three years? Well, that's what yeah. we don't know. Knowing that. Hunter, knowing Hunter, he probably thought he could be here too. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that doesn't make. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, but anyways, <laughs> who is on the sideline, Kim? Uh, some interesting guys on the sideline. Um, big guy blocking out the sun. Maybe he was the one who made it so damn cold down there. Number seventy-five, Lincoln Kennedy. I don't know if you saw the bling he was wearing. No, but was so was he here for Hall of Fame stuff, or was he here for Pac-12 Networks, or he was hanging, just hanging? So it was really more of a homecoming thing. Uh, Mark Brunel was here. That's a Hall of Fame thing. That's a Hall of Fame thing. Um, did, did was Chad Ward was squat six fifty here? I did not see him on the sidelines, okay. but. Uh, uh, Brandon Roy wasn't here. That was disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he'll be at the dinner tomorrow yeah. night from everything I've heard. Um, and, you know, it's just some guys you see that just make you smile. And all decked out in kind of a headband, gray headband, and a white windbreaker with the lime green uh, accents. And he looks like, I told him what he looked like was, I'm glad you're not hitting me, Azeem Victor. I mean, you got to smile when you see Azeem. He looks great. He's thrilled to be back. He's on the Seahawks practice uh, squad, and they have a bye week. So uh, Azeem was here. Yeah. And it's, then, too bad, it's too bad like Will Disley was here. I guarantee Will would have been here if he was I'm upright. honestly surprised Kaysen wasn't here. Why is that? I just, I, Did I they know. Did have a bye too? N- no. Or. He's, he's not on a roster. Isn't he with Indy? No, he's not oh, okay. on a roster. Yeah. Um, also, just one of my all-time favorites. I mean, I, I say this guy's got one of those smiles where he got away with a lot when he was a kid because of that smile. But just the chance to see Hakeem Akbar and Mikhail, his brother, mm-hmm. um, it just makes – I mean, those guys are – those are two of the best dudes ever. You know, Hakeem, we were dealing with him when he uh, was being recruited, and I was kind of running points on that. And if you don't mind, I'll tell a little bit of a story. I'll never forget, um, you know, um, Hakeem called me, and uh, he was just all excited because he passes SAT. And I, so he goes, yeah, I mean, he, I call, he calls me, and I answer the phone, and he just says, I'm going to be a dog. And you could just hear it in his voice. I said, let me ask you a question, Hakeem. Is it true that you only got 540 the first time you took the SAT? And he goes, that's absolutely not true. But it wasn't much more than that. (laughs) And he laughs like hell. But Hakeem, you know, his dad was in prison. His mom was kind of a mess. And him and his older brother, Mikhail, they were just kind of running one step ahead of the authorities to not go into the foster care system. You know, so they were changing addresses and just doing what they could to get by. And when Hakeem was here, uh, his older brother, Mikhail, was at a JC, and Hakeem was sending his scholarship checks down to Mikhail, and Hakeem wasn't eating and doing all this stuff. And then uh, Mikhail was a lot bigger than Hakeem height-wise, and he was a wide receiver in a JC, and Rick gave him a scholarship. And Mikhail didn't do much at UW, but uh, those two together, it was pretty cool. And to be able to see them today, this is longer than I normally talk all at once, but it was really a heartwarming feel to, you know, feeling to see those two today, one of my two favorite guys all time. Well, what, what I, well my memories of Hakeem were the, the pair of him and Greg Carruthers together. That I mean, you don't find too many safeties that literally thump and, the way those guys do. And Curtis. Well, obviously. But, I mean, but those two guys, when you have one guy named the Helena Hitman, and then you got Hakeem, who literally made his, his, his legacy at Washington by just being a real enforcer back there, um, it was great to see him get rewarded for that. And, um, 
and uh, you know, kind of enjoy the day because it was a hell of a nice day. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Akeem and Mikhail. It's just two of the best story and be, two of the best guys ever. So, um, final thoughts, Luke Munger. Um, so I was kind of thinking about this, and the optimist in me is going to take this one uh, with kind of the uncharacteristic, maybe undisciplined things that we noticed uh, throughout the game for the Huskies. I want to spin that to say that although there might have been some sort of Oregon hangover in terms of maybe frustration, that it's clear that the passion for this team is still alive. Uh, that's what the biggest storyline for me was, and I'll leave it there. Scott, final thoughts and any recruiting notes? Um, well, no, not any recruiting notes really to add right now. Um, there's a lot of speculation that Washington could be adding a, a guy that's an, on an official visit this weekend, so just stay tuned to Dogman, and we'll have plenty of coverage on that. But um, other than that, you know, Washington came out. It wasn't pretty. I think there was an Oregon hangover. I know Pete would say no, there wasn't, and everything like that. I believe there was a little bit of an Oregon hangover. I believe Washington did miss Miles Gaskin in that backfield early on, even though uh, the running backs were doing pretty well. I thought I thought they were they were doing pretty well. But I just think he's kind of the emotional engine for that that team, um, uh, especially on offense. I thought they played well enough to win. They got out with a good win. Uh, defense didn't look great in the first half. Played really, really well in the second half. I thought Jay, this team is actually turning into a second-half team. Unfortunately, you don't want to get down too far in the first half, but um, I think Washington's starting to turn into that second-half team, especially where the coaches make adjustments at halftime. And, um, you know, they've got four, you know, three really tough games. They've got Oregon State as well, which shouldn't be a tough game, but you just never know. Um, you know, Washington, I think Washington's got a great chance to win out. And, uh, this is that first step in that, in that, uh, in that trend, in that, uh, on that track. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters. Um, uh, just would, you know, I just remind people this was the number 25 team in terms of the coaches, I think, as far as Colorado. So, and they were undefeated until last week. So yeah, losing LaVisca Chanel and uh, Jay McIntyre and their kicker. We didn't talk about that. Stefano, you know, wasn't here either. Um, that's huge. I mean, for them, I mean, that really hamstrung them. And so you could tell they wanted to try to grind this thing out, which interestingly enough, I think really plays into Washington's hands because I think their identity now has become, Hey, we don't mind if you try to grind it out. Cause we'll try to grind it right back at you. Mm-hmm. And it goes to, to what you were saying, Scott, in terms of this being a second half team, I was asking the running backs, Hey, is it, is it feel like it's kind of knock, knock, knock. And eventually you get the door open and, you start creasing some guys, and it's like they, they kind of feel like that's the way it's going. And 200 yards today, I think, really attests to that. Um, I would also just say, going forward, that um, you know, yeah, I think this was this was the, kind of the frustration game, kind of letting it out to echo what Luke said. I think there was some frustration there. I think there was some loose details that maybe they let slide a little bit because they really, really had that chip on their shoulder. They wanted to come out and do some damage and do some things, but I think it kind of backfired in some ways, you know, with the turnovers especially. Um, so, again, I think it's a perfect situation for the coaches, Kim. I think this is they get the win, but they get to coach the living crap out of the, those guys next week because I guarantee you they are going to be right on their butts big time. And, you know, you go into a situation at Cal – um, I thought going into this season that was going to be the trap game. It still could be, but I think things are not really trending that way for Cal right now. I think this is an opportunity for Washington to make a statement. 
I think this is a team that we've seen so far where they don't make things easy. You know, it's reminiscent of, you know, Rick Neuheisel's Rose Bowl team where none of the wins were easy. And that seems to be the way things are going this year. None of the games are easy. There hasn't been any blowouts. They, you know, other than the BYU game where they were kind of dominant, nothing has really come easy for this team. So do we really expect anything to change? Cal next week and then back home for Stanford and then the bye week and Oregon State and then Washington State. So, you know, yeah, they've still got some tough games left ahead. So, um, this I mean, what you see is I think is what you're going to get, which is going to make the fans crazy. But, you know, style points, you know, it's just, just I'd rather have the win. So, Chris Peterson would say the same thing. Yeah. I don't care what we look like. Well, I mean, obviously, you care a little bit, but I don't, as long as we're getting the win, that's all he cares about. So, um, Saturday kickoff at 3.30 at Cal. Um, and just you guys, basketball's coming up, so start paying a little bit more attention. Um, yeah, no radio next Saturday. We'll have radio on uh, Sports Radio KJR on Wednesday from 7 to 8. Again, no radio uh, on Saturday. So you can always keep it tuned in here at dogman.com. If you're looking for the most current update information, make sure to check out the website, as well as if you want those daily updates as well as any breaking news alerts in your inbox, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, and we'll get you on that list and get you daily updates. And we'll probably give you a little bit more stuff that's not a little bit more buried on the website as well. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenells along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. No, oh, and Lettuce Man, Lettuce Boy, Luke Monger. Sorry. I kind of like Lettuce Man. Lettuce. <laughs>